Welcome to Marvel Champions Podcast, a podcast about Marvel Champions, the card game. I'm your host, Scott, and with me as always, my co-host, Ryan. So, Scott, guess what today is? What is today? It is the day we look at the fourth villain of the Next Evolution box. The movie Sinister, is that what you're getting at? Oh, yeah, there is a movie called Sinister, isn't there? Oh, but this is Mr. Sinister. Oh, I heard he's got a sinister intent. No, 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 it's a sinister motive. He has a well, sinister motive. Well, sinister intent is the name of his main scheme. Oh, I just figured he had another campaign box he was working on. Sinister motive. I like he that. Sinister motives, yeah. Well, I wonder how many puns we can throw into this one. I don't know. There's not too many sinister puns out there. Or maybe it's just sinister that we keep punning everything. That's true. Hmm. But he's a mister, so. He's a mister. He's very confident. I mean, is he that. like, does he have like a little spray mister that he's spraying around his little Ooh. genetic stuff? He could be a mister. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, this is why Marvel has hired us as uh, writers after the writer strike, of course. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really tell you how he gets his superpowers. It does. He just missed it. Maybe he's like a plant. He just, well, we, I mean, we did have Black Tom Cassidy in the last villain. So maybe, uh, maybe he grows. Just a little planting and misting to make sure everything gets perfectly oh. watered. What is he, a horticulturalist? Is that what that's called? Yeah, something like that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a plant doctor. I'm not a plant doctor. This whole time, I never knew he was a plant doctor. Yes. All right. But enough about plant, doc- plant doctors. Enough about plant jokes. Let's talk about the Sinister, Mr. Sinister, who I'm, a, as a comic book uh, fan, I am a fan of Mr. Sinister. He's one of my more favorite X-Men villains. Yeah, there was something about Mr. Sinister just being so, like, evil-looking, and I always felt like, no matter how hard they tried, they just couldn't stop him. He, like, always got away. Yeah, I I honestly, I can't tell you what his actual powers are, <laughs> but I just know that he always was tough to beat. Yeah, I know he's like, um, he's like really old. Like he has like Victorian, like he's like real when he lived. He's like Nathaniel Essex, I think is like real name. And I want to say in like some comic line. He meets up with Mr. Uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, like, changes him, and then he goes on, like, a quest for genetic superiority or something. Yeah, it sounds about right. But my question is, at what point in his life did he go, you know what would be a really cool name? Mr. Sinister. Why not, like, Dr. Sinister? Or Mr. Incredible. <laughs> or Mr. Incredible. 
Or Doctor Strange, I don't know. Uh, Doctor Sinister. Maybe he didn't go to evil medical school for, you know, six, seven years. I mean, I feel like he's someone that, like, did the schooling to be a doctor of some sort. And one thing I've learned about all doctors, and I'm not talking just medical doctors, is once they get that doctor, they're like, yo, you you have to call me doctor every time you address me. They let everybody know that, that yes. they're a doctor. Yeah, I mean, granted, they you do a lot of work to get that title, so you better call me doctor. You better call me doctor. Sinister. Doctor to you. All right. To the cards. To the cards. All right, so main sites game, Sinister Intent. Uh, so this one's a little interesting. Um, his first one is just a uh, setup kind of side or main scheme and then it moves on yeah 1a tells you to do some stuff and then you flip to 1b and then it tells you to do some more stuff yeah and i did i did find it interesting like when we set up the first time because you know in the reveal article they show all three of the potential superpowers like the encounter sets that he comes with mm-hmm. and then i found it really interesting you know spoiler alert spoiler alert um, you only choose two at random when you play the game. Yeah, yeah. Which it does create some variety as the as the game as you continue to play them. So there's what I guess it's three. So there's uh, like four combinations, three combinations, three different combinations. Well, that's a little more than that. It's been a while since I took statistics. One, two, three. Three different combinations. Sure. Write us and let us know how we're wrong. (laughs) There's multiple combinations. Yes, 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 yes. Um, But yeah, it uh, it just kind of goes through the setup. Um, You choose two. Uh, Well, I guess you choose one to actually put on to Sinister and then uh, uh, one of them you don't play with at all and the other one's going to come in later on throughout the game. Yeah, I feel like this is consistent with this box is there's a lot of pacing with these. Like he's really his first half of his game feels very fast Mm -hmm. and trying to accelerate as fast as it can to get kind of to this crescendo that he wants to get to. Yeah, I, I agree. I like what you point out that it seems a lot of these villains in this scenario has a lot of pacing manipulation, um, which I think is a good thing. I, I like how it feels instead of just being like, all right, go, 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 go. It's go, 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 stop, or stop, go, 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 and, and just kind of fluctuate. So, um, I appreciate that um, in this one as well. Kind of feels a little bit like uh, Ultron and or Crossbones. I would say Crossbones for me is the the one that comes to mind. Where there's like very low thresholds and they they feel like they're going to hit their threshold really quick Mm -hmm. on the main schemes. And and with him, it just kind of makes the game harder. And I think that's, you know, we 
we haven't really talked about his cards, but that's like the big strategy with this one. Is trying to stay in that first main scheme for as long as you can and do as much damage to him as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because it goes up by two threat per player each round. And they only have a threshold of five. So if you're playing solo, he's pretty much in his base. He's more of a schemer than a thwarter or than an attacker. So just by like his round, he puts two on. He schemes for a base of two, then a boost card. So if he's not confused, he will pretty much hit that threshold on one um, activation, one scheme yeah. activation. Yeah, he he's one that advance can be pretty rough. Oh yeah, for for sure. And uh, I I think it works, kind of like crossbones. It it works because it's not that final scheme, and it just makes him harder and progresses that story, which is pretty yeah. cool. Get you closer to that end. Yeah. But it, but like you said, it's not the end of the world. That if you let one pop, it just kind of makes your game a little rough. Mm-hmm. From that yeah. point forward, it gets harder. Yeah, and then once you get through two of the uh, the two A's slash B's, um, it goes into to three B, which it it puts on some breaks because it it jumps that threshold to seven per player, um, which is still pretty low. I mean, that's that's Rhino setup, but he. It switches that gear because that that goes up, and then he has a force interrupt where he focuses on Hope Summers. So that's one thing we need to mention is Hope Summers is also in this encounter. Again, same thing from Juggernaut. Yeah, and and now that he's trying to attack her, just remember that she's got that uh, additional loss condition that if she dies, you lose the game. Yeah, yeah. So it's the, the I feel like the pressure's still on. Um, time-wise, just because it's just two two more threat from the other ones, um, but then a whole other side of pressure comes from the hope and him attacking. So I think it really uh, continues that pace, but it just changes it slightly enough that you know you've got to to readjust some things. And so I really liked that. I did too. I like that a lot. And okay. at that point, he's going to be kind of powered up. He's going to have both superpowers. Yeah, he's, he's going to be on. set up like if you're thinking a hero being set up as a villain, he's kind of set up ready to focus on one thing. Yeah, yeah. I I will say because we played a game where we were able to prevent the main ski from popping. That if you kind of like a Ultron, if you can keep him on that first scheme, you can really just handle the scenario. And and he, I think he suffers from that a little bit. That if you are able to just get lucky enough to not get, say, in advance or just maintain thwart, you can you can really put a hamper on his his threat or threat as in like the threat of his presence, the the villain's difficulty. Yeah, that's the big thing with this one is just keeping that for being on that first main scheme for as long as you can. I think the yeah. Justice Van really helps with that, if you can throw that out. Yeah, yeah. I will say for the uh, Mr. Sinister villain card itself, I really 
like the Force Response, which is after a status card is placed on Minister, Mr. Sinister, place one threat on the main scheme. Um, there's a couple reasons why I like it. Uh, one, I like that it's not steady or stalwart, so you can continue to utilize your stun and confuses, but it has a consequence. And I really like that. And the consequence fits the scenario too. Um, so you get the benefits, but there's also a negative. And I, I just, it, it feels more, I don't know if organic is the right term, um, but it just feels better uh, than a steadier stalwart because you feel like you're hitting a brick wall where here it feels like there's consequences to, to those actions. Right. I agree, and it it scales. You know, stage one you only had one threat. Stage two, it's two. Stage three, it's three. So yeah. I do like that aspect as well. It kind of ramps as he ramps. Yeah, yeah. I I would fully support more villains having something like this, um, because it's it's fun to stun and confuse. It's kind of a, a it's a really strong thing that heroes can do. Um, but it's nice to not just be like, sorry, no, you can't do that anymore, but rather, yeah, feel free to do that, but this is also going to happen. So just be wise on how you do it. Right. See, I like that because there are, there are characters that stunning and or confusing is a very big aspect of what they do in their character cards. And those are your stronger cards. And when you remove that ability, you kind of dampen or weaken that hero and that's a little frustrating yeah yeah so especially villains that have like permanent stalwart that's just annoying so speaking of permanent stalwart it's really it's not connected at all but we talked about uh his last main scheme sinister ends now he's attacking hope how do you feel about scenarios that are dependent on an encounter set like that like you can't play this scenario without the Hope Summers encounter set. That's a really good question. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I I like it, but I also don't like it. Um, so, for example, one thing I I actually don't like is Thanos and Loki having to have the Infinity Gauntlet. I was going to um, point out the Loki one. Yeah. I would I, love to play Loki more, but I just don't like dealing with the Infinity Gauntlet inside of his scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I It makes sense for, say, Thanos, because um, that's his thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fun to put the Infinity Gauntlet on other villains. But when it's for like for like Loki, I would love to have played that scenario that didn't involve the Infinity Gauntlet because I feel like that is not a very common thing for that character to have. Um, I mean, I, I, it made sense for the, the story of the box, but I I don't remember Loki ever being like a big Infinity Gauntlet kind of person. See, and that's where like I think some of these later boxes, where some of the scenarios feel a lot more thematical. Like it would have been neat to see. Maybe he starts with a gauntlet, and as the game progresses, the object is to remove the gauntlet, and then it's just kind of out of play, and the game changes in a way where it plays different. Yeah, that would have been cool. 
I would agree on that. So, uh, but specifically for Hope Summers, um, I think, I think having it, at least campaign wise, having it in Juggernaut and then going to the next scenario and having it again, it was kind of like, okay, it just feels like you're reusing rather than just giving us something different. But again, I guess campaign wise, it made sense. But as a standalone scenario, it's, I didn't think it was needed. And it's required on scenarios three, four, and five, right? I think it is. Uh, great question. Yes. It is. I think yes, it's required. Oh, it's it is course for drive. Strife as well. Yeah, Strife is it's like integral into his whole thing. Yeah, I think in that case, I think it would have been better as like a campaign set that just went along with it. The only problem with that is their encounter cards don't may not play off it as well, but I don't think his encounter cards really had a hope focused. Um, I don't think Juggernaut really had any like hope focus encounter cards that were specifically him. He had one that he attacked an ally with the fewest remaining hit points. Yeah, so that was so that's not hope specific. Right. Um does Strife have hope specific? I mean he has like his whole in, uh I mean spoiler alert next episode um that side scheme like it's integral to his side scheme progression and oh all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, enough about hope summers. Let's get back to the star of the show, Mr. Sinister. Senor so, Sinister. Senor Sinister. So with um him, we've talked about his two um main schemes in the middle there. Uh he gains these superpower encounter sets. Yes. And he has one that is flight. And then he has uh what's the other one? Super strength. Yeah, and then telepathy. So he gains flight, gives him aerial and overkill. And then super strength. What does that give him? Gives him the brute trait, and he gains steady. Yeah. See, and I think that steady's interesting to play off of his force response, too. Yep. With adding those uh, status cards, which is, which is cool. Yeah. And just, then... Oh, oh, sorry, just real quick. Yep. You know, I, I just complained about steady and stalwart. If there are encounter cards that give, or like attachments that give them steady or stalwart, but you can get rid of them, I, I like that. I think that's fine, too. Yeah, and I agree. And I think we talked about that with Juggernaut. Like, you can get rid of it. It can come back. That's fine. But it's not just permanently always there. Yeah, yeah. Though in this case, if Super Strength's there, it's it's permanently there. Especially if you get it right. in the first one. Sure. And then Telepathy gives him Psionic and Retaliate 1. And it also gives him a plus 1 scheme. I think Super Strength gave him plus 1 attack. Yeah. So did Flight. Yeah, yeah. He gets yeah, plus one scheme, plus one attack, plus one attack. Yep. So he gets he gets quite strong, especially if you get telepathy as the first superpower that he gets. That's a that's a three scheme. That's rough. Three scheme and retaliate. That makes for a long game. 
Yeah, it kind of changes the way you play that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's fun is you can get any three of these right off the start. Um, and they're all... Each one's not, like, the worst, but they're not great either. I think, for me, the one I would like the most is... Well, now that I think about it, I think it might be Flight might be the one I'd want the most. Uh, Aerial and Overkill. Yeah, maybe Super Strength, but I like... Oh, man, this is tough. Yeah, I know, I'd... that's the thing about them, is they all have, like, one huge negative. Yeah. It's definitely not telepathy because that retaliate stinks, and then that plus one scheme really helps him. Right. Now, each of them is a five card encounter set, and I really like how they play off each other. So, a lot of them, like the treacheries, it'll be like, do, do this. And then, if he also has this trait, do this other bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like how, like, you can see that card early in the game and it may not be so bad and you see it later in the game and he has two superpowers and then it's just like oh that's that's devastating yep yep it shows that that progression that we were talking about as the game goes he's getting stronger right and not only is his base stuff stronger his encounter cards get stronger too yep yep and each one continues to have stuff so like uh Super strength has attachments with it. I think they all have attachments too. Um, except for telepathy has obligations. Um, which, oh yeah, oh, I got yeah. one of those one time. Yeah, but like super strength's got one of one of its uh, attachments is thrown object. <laughs> so you attach to the villain, um, and the villain has range and then force response. After this, villain attacks, discard this card, and it's a plus three. Um, so now you've got a, uh, I guess he's attacking for five if you're in stage one because of the boost of super strength and then throw an object plus a boost. That's rough. (laughs) Yeah, that can be. (laughs) And then just to show the type of combos that can happen if he also had a flight, now he has overkill. Plus one, right? Yeah. (laughs) plus another one so he's doing six plus overkill like that's that is tough and fun yeah so um i think his normal encounter cards also have um some trait depending on which attachment so like genetic mastery is one of his big ones where you do the following based off what traits he has aerial brooder psionic and uh individually they're not they're not the worst, but together it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, when you're having to do two out of three, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. He comes with a couple of minions. There is Sinister Soldiers. They get plus one scheme and attack for each superpower attached, so they, they too get a little more difficult or stronger as you go yep. uh, throughout the game, which which I like. I mean, I feel like this particular scenario really does well with that balance of power creep throughout the game. I mean, and I like that because it keeps it balanced because, like, you as the hero, you're getting stronger, you're doing better as the game progresses, you're getting more set up, and 
it's natural that it's the villains kind of keeping that pace up with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was good to see. Um, and there's a lot in this box where there's that as the game goes, the villain, it's not just the stage that makes him stronger. The cards themselves are becoming stronger. And I think that's really nice to see. All right. Do you rapid fire questions for me? Do you remember getting that sinister disguise in our last game we played of sinister? Tess stunk. <laughs> that one's rough because I feel like it plays. I don't know how other people play, but I typically like to keep my health kind of middle of my life or higher. And this one I feel like is keying in, trying to key on on that Hope Summers. Yep. Yep, really does. So this one is a attachment. You attach to Mr. Sinister. This is forced interrupt. When a player would deal damage to Mr. Sinister, that player may spend two science resources. If they do not, they deal that damage to the friendly character with the fewest remaining hit points instead. Then you discard it, whether or not you paid for the resources or not. And and I think the big thing with that one is it's not like attack. It's it's deal damage. So any form of damage, you've got to deal with that that first time. I can't remember. Yeah. I think we ended up just making somebody with like I a think one we... attack, like an ally attack, and then yep. just give it to to Hope. <laughs> yeah, because it was it was more beneficial for her to take just the one damage than to try to navigate this or spend the two resources. Yeah. yeah. So just give her the the damage, move on, and then we can hit him with five plus damage and not have to worry about it. Uh, another card I liked is a side scheme that he has was the teleported away. Um, Mr. Sinister can't take damage. So again, it's not just can't be attacked. He can't take any damage. And that has a forced interrupt that when he would, Mr. Sinister would attack, he schemes instead, uh, which plays off that whole trying to advance his main schemes as fast as he can. Oof. And it has a uh, crisis icon. Yeah, that one's pretty rough. Yeah, that one is is rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, rapid fire. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a rapid fire question. So I was gonna say, which I don't know if I heard you say, but which is your favorite superpower of the three? Favorite is in like the one I want to see him on, or like favorite is like oh, um, I hate playing against that one. What's the one that you would want to take because they're in encounter sets? Take to another villain. Oh, like which one would I like to see played on another villain? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think I think mine is more comical, but I think I would want to take like flight and add it to a villain that you you just wouldn't think should be flying. <laughs> In the sky, Red Skull. Oh uh, yeah, somebody like that, like a floating Red Skull or like a a flying absorbing man or something. Ah, absorbing man. I'm trying to think of what else. I almost said the Wrecking Crew, but then I realized you don't add in counter sets with them. Yeah, yeah. I we should mention he does his uh, recommended encounter set that you use is the Nasty Boys. So nasty. They uh they are nasty. So he uh 
another thing to deal with with his scenario. Yeah, so he does have a few more minions that like to come out and teamwork with each other. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you ever answered it, but what, what's your thought on the Hope Summers thing? For this one, I don't feel. I feel like she is a much more benefit. Like I feel like there's decent balance with the Hope Summers one, as opposed to the other example we gave of like the um, Infinity Gauntlet. Like you don't get any benefit from the Infinity Gauntlet encounter set. You as the True. heroes, there's no there's no benefit or perk. Um, but with this one, you at least have Hope Summers. She can do a lot of stuff with no consequential damage. If you got the right hero set up, it's either a bunch more damage she's dealing out or she can really help with uh, scheme management, which you don't get in some of these other ones. Yeah. And like for this one, I feel like it's much less of a factor until you really get to the very end. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely more of a focus uh, on her when you get to that last main scheme for sure. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, because his his focus is all about these powers, trying to get that scheme to pop, and then get to that phase where you're fighting a two front battle of him just welling on hope and also scheming. Right. He's trying to get that Dino DNA. Dino DNA. You gonna put that soundbite in? <laughs> Dino DNA. I'll find it. Maybe five times. Dino DNA. Classic. All right. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot additional to say other than uh, what would you rate him in the box? So that's what I was going to say. I th- for me, I, I really like his... I like the pace of this one. Like, it adds a little bit of anxiety and pressure as you're playing, and you're like, oh, please don't, don't advance, don't advance. I, or you're like... Can you get rid of a couple of, th- of uh, threats so I can flip down and then we'll try not to scheme out or I can confuse him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really liked, I liked how he gained the traits, the traits to different things throughout the scenario. They got better. Um, they do different things. One card plays different early game, plays different late game. Um, for me, in the box, I would rate him the number one villain for the box overall. Yeah. Number one. Number one. How about you? I agree. I think he is number one for me. Um, I think he has everything I'm looking for for a villain. Um, not the, the same as others. Um, the variety of each play with the superpowers um, and, and what they do to, to each experience at the beginning versus when you get the second one and those combinations. Um, I liked like everything we've talked about, the, the scaling of the cards as, as the game goes on, they increase as well. So it, it makes sense because you're getting stronger. Um, it's a it's a win for me. I think that I think as you brought it up earlier, I think the pacing is what really helps on this one. There's there's pressure because uh, it's not not too often. Um, I mean, certain uh, scenarios it happens, but 
it's not often that I have pressure during a game. Um, that's not just them like, oh, my health is getting a little low. Most of the time, whatever the scenario's way of trying to apply that pressure, it just doesn't succeed as well. But I think this is one that it, it does very well. It's it's a it's like they learned from like crossbones and and all these other ones and applied it to this one and and it for me it worked. And like the other thing with like the pacing is like it was just the right amount of feeling like you were one card from, from like being out of control, but at the same time you felt like you were still able to maintain some remain a little bit in control. Yeah, yeah. I I yeah. The the five threshold on the the two uh main side scheme I think was was the right call for that balance. Especially with his emphasis on being able to try to put threat on the scheme and scaling to the player numbers as well. Um except for his stage one where if you put a stats card on them, um, you get one. Well, I guess that one, that one is the same for all of them. Other than like stage two, you put two threat, and then stage three, you put three threat. I guess it's the when revealed, it scales. Yeah, you can it when he goes to stage two and stage three, he he places scheme as main or threat on his main scheme, trying to kind of push him over the edge, get you closer to that end game. Yeah, he's really trying to push to to get to that final stage. Um, so, yeah, he's a he's a win for me. He's one that I I will continue to revisit. Yeah, I think he has a lot to offer. The other thing I I don't think I pointed it out, but I didn't like how we were talking about the strategy for him is you know try and keep that first scheme as long as you can. I think mm-hmm. we were able to do that where we were able to get him down to stage two, I think still on the first main scheme, you know, the first played main scheme. Yeah. And then like once he got there, he pretty much flipped it immediately. Yeah. Cause us. he puts on for us, the threshold was 10 because you know, five per player. When we flipped him to stage two, he puts on four. Yeah, he because on he has two, fewer than two. If you have fewer than two, so it yeah, it made it go pretty quick. So I mean, you're because on the reverse side, like it would be really bad if you hadn't done a lot of damage to stage one, and you're already on the second main scheme. Like that would be not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's where, like we talked about, it's that that balance is you can force him to stay on that first one which is going to be your goal but it's it's tough and honestly requires a little bit of luck because if he gets an advance it could be over just like that right that's the other thing i like about him is your your um i don't i didn't point this out either but it kind of changes up a little bit of how you play with that pressure i think that was the other point i wanted to make with the the pacing the pressure is you kind of have to balance. Well, I've got a setup card, right? Like one of my good setup cards, and I have one of my good attack cards. And you have to like make that choice: do I get set up 
toss this attack card, or do I do, you know, vice versa? Do I go ahead and get that big attack out and done, trying to get him down, or do I go with that? Yeah, and his, health, and his health isn't a lower health villain. I mean, it's at 14 on stage 1, 17, and 21. So yeah. he's he's right in that, that middle middle range. So, I mean, he's not a he's not a cakewalk when it, with his health. And he's got some cards that heals him, too. So he's got a lot of variety. He does a lot. I like that. Yep. Yep. He's a he's a win for sure. Yep, I would agree. Number one, way to go, Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister. All right, well, if Mr. Sinister is not number one in your box, we'd like to hear about why he's not number one. And if he's you... not, you're wrong. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course. Uh, but you can let us know your thoughts on Mr. Sinister. And you can do that by emailing us at marvelchampionspod at gmail.com. We'd be happy to hear from you, talk about it, discuss it. Um, and we can feature you, hopefully, on one of our Chat with Chump sections. That's right. Yep. And until next time, uh, don't be sinister. Or, or don't. I guess, do be sinister? I don't know. Go get your doctor? No. That's right. Go to evil medical school for seven years to become Dr. Sinister. Dr. Sinister. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. See ya.